Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. I'm glad to be here with you today. Uh, Again, we've been in a series uh, called The Names of God. And today I want to talk to you about an important name of of God. Uh, But before I give you the name, I want to say I've said it all month long. Really what we do is we're talking about the names of God. And all throughout the scripture, there are different names that that are given to God. And oftentimes you and I are given nicknames. Your your name may be Jimmy. Your nickname could be Jim. You know what I'm saying? Your Your name could be Jimmy. Your nickname could be Bob. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? That would be a weird nickname for Jimmy, but hey, it could be your nickname. We all get different nicknames, but really that doesn't represent who you are as a person. It's just your nickname. These names of God in the scripture are not just nicknames. They are who he is. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. He is Jehovah Ra. He is our shepherd. And today I want to talk to you about Jehovah Nisi. He is Jehovah Nisi. And I'm hoping you've never heard it. Maybe you have. And you're like, what in the world does that mean? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it today. Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is our banner. Turn to your neighbor, your friend, your family member, your wife, your spouse, your girlfriend, whoever's sitting next to you and say, the Lord is my banner. Come on, somebody. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Come on, turn to the other friend. Say, the Lord's my banner. Come on, somebody. In the scripture in Exodus chapter 8, I mean, chapter 17, excuse me, is really where we get this text. What's happening here in the scripture is the, the Israelites had just left Egypt. Many of you know the story of the Israelites in Egypt, and they had been in Egypt for 400 years, 400 plus years, and they, they, Moses comes, and the plagues of God happen, and Pharaoh frees the Israelites. The Israelites leave Egypt, and then what happens is they go through the Red Sea. Y'all know the story. God parts the Red Sea. Uh, they escape, and, and all, they're doing well. They're in the, the wilderness. God feeds them manna for food. He gives them, uh, just before this story, right before this text, right actually in the beginning of chapter 17, God provides water for, the, from, for them in a rock. And then this is where the scripture picks up in verse 8, and where we're talking about today about Jehovah Nisi. He is our banner. It says, while the people of Israel were, were still at him, Rephidim. I can't even talk today. Rephidim. The warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amicalites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overcame the army of Amalek with the sword. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, Jehovah Nisi, which means 
the Lord is my banner. And he said, they, they, have rised, they have raised excuse me, their fists against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek for generation after generation after generation after generation. I want to talk to you today from this story about how the Lord is our banner. And I see a scripture right here. Here's what I know and tell you what's happening in this text. This is the first battle that the Israelites had to face after being freed from Egypt. This is the first battle. What, ha what happens is they, they, they get freed from Egypt and they're going through uh, the, the wilderness. And right before that, people can say, well, they were in a battle with the Red Sea as far as the, the Egyptians were chasing them. That was not a battle. They walked through the Red Sea and the Egyptians chased them. And then God, God overcame the Egyptians. The Israelites didn't have to fight at all. This is the first fight that the Israelites had, had to go through. And here's what I know. It's interesting that God wanted to show them right in the beginning of them getting into the wilderness that he was their banner. He immediately wanted to show them. Here's, what, here's what's interesting. He, he showed them that he was Jehovah Jireh. He provided for them manna in the wilderness. He showed them that he was Jehovah Ra. He was their shepherd. He was leading them out of Egypt. He showed them that he was Jehovah Shalom because he gave peace to them. When the, all the plagues were happening, the Israelites were in peace. He had already showed them multiple things of who he was, but then it got to a place where he said, okay, I have to show you that also I'm your banner. I'm your victory in every battle that you face. God is our banner. Now, what is a banner? What do you mean by that? This is what it is. In biblical times and texts, many of you have probably seen movies like this. These, these armies, and they would have flags or big banners. The banners would be, somebody would hold one pole, somebody would hold the other pole, and there would be this big banner that goes across, and there would be the sign or the symbol, the logo, the brand, whatever you want to call it, on this flag or this banner that would say, this is who we represent. We represent the Israelites, we represent the Amicalites, we represent the Midianites, we represent the Philistines, we represent this person. This is our banner, this is who we are. I want you to know that. And so this is what, what the, Moses is saying, he goes through this situation and God says, I want you to write this down. And Moses says, you are Jehovah banner, you are who we represent and who represents us. And I, I wanna show it to you in Exodus chapter 17 and verse eight, it says this, it says, while the people of Israel were at uh, Rephidim, the words of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight against the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. The first thing about the Lord being our banner is we have to know this. We have to know that we are under his banner. We are under his banner. It's interesting to me that Moses says, I want you to choose some guys. We're gonna go fight these guys because they're attacking us. But he says, but I'm gonna go up on a hill. And he says, I'm gonna go on a hill and I'm gonna hold the rod, the staff of God. And I want you to see that. And this is our banner. The banner is not a sign, a flag. The banner is the rod of God. I want you to know that God is fighting with us and for us. See, what's interesting about this is he holds this rod. This rod is the exact same rod that turned into a serpent during the plagues. This is the exact same rod that when they touched the, the Nile River, it turned into blood. This is the exact same rod that, that Moses was holding where he saw God move through all these things. And so what he's doing is he's saying, I'm holding this rod because I want you to know God, we represent God and God represents us. But I also want you to remember and be reminded that God's power is greater than anything that we face. And so he's holding this rod. And what happens is in the story, it's so interesting. If you ever hold something too long, your arms start to get a little tired. 
And so what happens is his arms get tired and the, his arms drop and he's probably taking a breather. He's probably relaxed in a minute. And what happens is when his arms are down and the rod is not up, when the banner is not being held, the Bible says that the, the, they, that the Amicalites start taking advantage and start winning the fight, the battle. And so Aaron and her understand this and see this. And so they go get a stone and they grab each arm of Moses and hold it up. And the whole time they're holding up the, the, the banner, the whole time they're holding up the, 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 the staff, the Bible says that the, the Israelites win, are winning. And then they win, they take over and they overwhelm them all because of God was fighting with them. And here's what I know. We have to first understand this when we're talking about the Lord being our banner. We are under his banner. Here's what's cool about this story. Moses is holding this staff, this rod. Everybody, and he was on a hilltop, everybody in the land knew who they were fighting. We are the Amicalites. We're fighting the Israelites. Why? Because there's Moses and there's the staff. We understand, and you have to understand what's going on here. A lot of people and all throughout the region, all throughout the nations had heard about what God had done with the Israelites in Egypt. They had heard about the plagues. They had heard about this. And, the, and so what he's doing is he's, he's holding this up and he's saying, I want you to know that God is with us and we are under his banner. We are under his protection. You can fight us, but you're also fighting him. We're under his banner. And so here's what the Israelites knew. Okay, they're fighting. They say, okay, I know that God is, uh, he's the label. He's the one that I carry. He's the name that I carry. Here's what's interesting oftentimes with life. What happens is we go throughout our life and we go through situations and we go through struggles and we go through hard times. And here's what ends up happening. We end up taking on labels of things that we've done in the past. Our labels and our past become our banner. We, we, we start to be known as, oh, that's the person that did so-and-so. Oh, that's the person that said that. Or that's the person that cheated on this. Or that's the person that was mean at, at his job. That, and so what happens is we start to be labeled. And so what happens is our labels start to define us. When that becomes our banner, when God is wanting us to stand, understand, no, he is our banner. We are under his banner. His label is the name that we carry. Here's what's cool. That means this. What is the label? The label is I am a son or I am a daughter of the king. His label, I am a son. So that means my past does not define me. Why? Because the Lord is my banner. What defines me? He defines me. I'm under it. So I'm his son. And that's what defines me in my life. I don't know what you've been through in your life, but it's interesting as humans, human nature, we're the only species on this planet that label pe people based on their pasts. What I mean by that, think about it. If you're a dog, just go with me for a second. If your dog, if you have two dogs, if your dog messes up something or does something, the next, the, as soon as you stop correcting the dog, the dog goes off and the dog never thinks about it again. His, his friend never thinks about it either. They're like, oh, it's all good. Everything's over with. But if we mess up, if we make a mistake, now I look at you through the filter of your mistake. What's happened is I've allowed your mistake to define you. I put a label on you because of what human nature does. Why? Because it causes us to say, oh, I think I'm better than you in this and I'm better than that. And it's all all about comparing ourselves to one another. When God wants us to say, no, 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 we don't compare ourselves that way. We don't allow our past to define us. Here's what it is. We are under his banner. His name is the name that defines us. Is this all right? It's so important we understand this because oftentimes here's what happens. A position will label us. A, a past will label us. Our own personalities will label us. We'll label ourselves. 
We'll make a mistake and then we label ourselves as this is who we are. No, no, no. You are a son or a daughter of the king and you are under his banner. That means this. You are, have the power and the authority over all things that the enemy has to come against you. He is our banner and we're under his banner and we carry and we represent him. Here's what's cool, okay? They're under the, the rod, they're under the staff, but then also here's what happens. They're fighting and they know, okay, we represent that banner. You and I, we represent Christ in our lives. And everything that we do, we are, we are representing Christ in the way that we live. Not only that, the Bible even says that we're ambassadors of Christ. I want to show it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be recon reconciled to God. We are ambassadors of Christ. We represent his banner. An ambassador, do, ambassador does this. An ambassador lives in a foreign country, check this out, and lives in a foreign country, and it, it, is, it is representing the country that it's from, or he, he or she are from, and it's, it, it's speaking on behalf of the country in the foreign country. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ? Here's what's cool. Christ went to heaven and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And here's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes. And now through, with the Holy Spirit's help, we become ambassadors for Christ here on this earth. Here's what's cool. The Bible oftentimes talks about how this earth is not our home. The Bible says that we are foreigners on this earth. And here's what happens. Then he says, I've sent the Holy Spirit so that you can be ambassadors for Christ, so that you can represent me in this foreign land called earth. Why? Because we know that our home is a place that God is preparing for us in heaven one day. And so on this short period of time that we're on this earth, here's what's cool. We are ambassadors representing him. And it's not this concept of where we talk about representing him. It's like, oh, don't do bad things because if you do bad things, people are going to see you. No, no. It's representing him in a way of saying this. I know that people are see me. And here's the question I have to ask. Do they see the banner of a son or a daughter in the way that I'm living my life? Do they see peace when the world's chaotic? Do they see joy when everybody else says sorrow? Do they see strength when everybody else is being weak? Do they see a son or a daughter or do they see someone that's just going with what everybody else is going? We represent him and this is what happens as we represent him, we shine for him. And representing him does not just mean uh, we, when we just put on our Christian t-shirts or we wear our cross. See, here's what representing him and being an ambassador for him is. It's not just wearing a cross, it's bearing our cross. That, that'll tweet for you, you know what I'm saying? I don't even use Twitter, but tweet it. You know what I'm saying? Here's what it is. We are to bear our cross, meaning this. I want to lay my life down, and I want people to know that I am under his banner, meaning this. I represent him in everything that I do. So this is, it changes the way we have our perspective when we walk into work. I'm representing him now in this foreign place. And so I'm representing Christ. I'm an ambassador of Christ. So now my mindset changes. It's not just me. No, now I understand. I'm shining in this place for the most high God. I'm making an eternal impact in this job, in this school, in this marriage, in this neighborhood. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Why? Because I'm under his banner. And it's not just putting on the shirts. 
And you know, there's all kind of silly shirts that you can wear uh, for, for Christian t-shirts. And I actually got some Christian t-shirts. I need to see them. Let me, show you. Let, me show you. Let me show you some things that we can represent Christ and show you this. This is just incredible. I just love this right here. This is just, a, it, we're, it's just summertime. We're gonna go with it, okay? And here's what it is. There's a shirt that says, uh, it says this. It's a, it's a mustard shirt and it says, mustard seed faith moves mountains. Just representing Christ, you know what I'm saying? Just representing Christ with your mustard t-shirt, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, must, it's a little scripture. Hey, I'm gonna give this away. Anybody want this? You gonna wear it? You gonna wear it? Mustard seed, wear it. You know what I'm saying? No, not right now. Here, let me, let me show you another one. Just in, case you're worried, just in case you're worried. Look, here's one, here's one. It says, do not worry. God will make you whole. <laughs> they sell this stuff. If you're online and you own this shirt, we love you. Any, anybody want this shirt? Anybody want to wear it right here? Come on, you're going to have to hear it. Can you give him that shirt over there? Give him that right there in the back. There you go. We're not really wearing, we're on the road to Damascus. We haven't been wearing masks because I saw this. I had to get it. Check this one. It's, it's a mask that says, want a taco about Jesus. And then at the bottom, you probably can't see it. It says, let us pray. Like, let us get it. Anybody want a mask? Anybody want to wear a mask? Not the people in the front. Somebody in the, anybody want a mask back there? Come on. There you go. Come on. You can wear the mask. Here, come, come, come. Spencer, help me get, give these to people. Okay, good. All right, here we go. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Check this out. We're talking about representing Christ. Man, you can really represent Christ like this. Check this out. It says, Jesus is my lifesaver. It's a lifesaver. No, you don't like that one? Okay, cool. Who wants this one? Anybody want this one? Debor, take this. Give us a Debor. Get that in Debor. Here's a really, here's, here's one of my faves. Here's one of my faves. This one says, it says, fed up, give God control. Then at the bottom of it, it says, he delivers. He delivers. He does. Yeah, yeah all the way in the back. Get, here, give this to Clayton. Go back there and give it to Clayton. They get better. They get better. I promise you, we're not to the best ones yet. Praise God. This might be my favorite one. This may be my favorite one. And the, people wear these. Praise God. I love you so much if you wear these t-shirts. Okay, it says this. It says, mayo light shine. And then at the bottom it says, for Jesus. Mayo light shine for Jesus. Who, want, who wants this one? Mayo light shine. All the way in the back. All the way in the back. Uh, lady, all the way in the back. I can't even see you, but I see a hand. There you go. Okay. Here we go. Last one. This, was, this is my favorite one of all time. And I'm telling you, this shirt, I, they make money like this. I don't know how they, It says, catch up with Jesus. Now check this out, the bottom, you can't probably see it, but it says, bless from my head to my toes. Tomatoes, bless from my head to my toes. Praise God, people wear this stuff. Come on, somebody. Anybody wanna wear it? Yeah, right there, lady with the pink on, lady with the pink, give it to her. Hey, hey, you know, I'm just being silly today. Obviously, look, and those are silly shirts, and I hope you wear them, I hope you do. Praise God, if you wear them, and somebody asks you about them, say, come to Experience Church, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But make sure you tell them we don't talk like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, here, I, I was, no joke, I was looking at these shirts online the other day. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I was like, these are incredible. <laughs> that being said, listen, when we talk about being under his banner and representing Christ, we're not just talking about putting on a shirt and then we take the shirt off and we can do what we want. It's talking about a lifestyle. It's not a, a, a nine to five clock in, clock out lifestyle. Representing Christ and being under his banner is a lifestyle that we live 24 hours a day. When we're at work, when we're at home, in our marriage, when we're with our friends, at school, wherever we go, we understand we're under his banner. And so that means this, I carry the name of Jesus, the son and the daughter of who he's called me to be, this, a son or 
her daughter. But then also, I don't just carry his name, I represent his name. He is, he is my banner and my, I am under his banner as he continues to move in my life. Exodus chapter 17 in verse 10, it says, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron, Hur climbed on the top of a nearby hill. They climbed on top of the nearby hill. We're gonna skip down to verse 15. It says, Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah is my banner. He said, they have raised their fists against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation after generation. You know, we're under his banner, the Lord is our banner. But just because we're under his banner, and I wrote this down as our thought, it's, it doesn't excuse us from battles. It doesn't excuse us from battle. We are not excused from battles. Just because we're under his banner, they were under the banner of, banner of God. He was, the, he, he was the, their, their God, he was their banner. But just because he was, they, they were under their banner did not mean that they didn't have to face battles. Oftentimes we think we get into this Christian life and we're supposed to just live. It's supposed to be happy. It's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be joy. It's supposed to be peace. Why am I walking through this? Because just because we're under his banner, why is God allowing this to happen? Just because we're under his banner does not mean we will not face battles in our lives. In fact, I'll say if you're under his banner, you'll probably face more battles. The Amalekites, you may know this, but Amalek was Esau's grandson. Esau was a representation of really of the, of the flesh or of carnality of human nature. If, I don't have it written down, but in Genesis chapter 25, it says this. I wrote this down for myself. It won't be on the screen, sorry. It says, two nations uh, in your womb. This is God talking to Rebecca. Two nations are in your womb and two people are born that will, will be and shall be divided. Talking about Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, he, he, God's telling Rebecca, there's, there's, you're gonna have twins and they're gonna be two people in your womb. And these two will be divided against each other. They'll fight one another. They'll have conflict with one another. Jacob and Esau. Well, Amalek was the, was the, 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 the grandson of Esau. The Israelites were the grandchildren or grand, grandbabies, if you will, of Jacob. There was this conflict already going on in me, in them. And here's what happens. We have to understand that we're not excused from battle, but we also have to understand this. We have to know who we're fighting. Oftentimes when we fight the, 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 the lifestyles and the things that are going on, we're oftentimes not fighting the devil. We're oftentimes fighting the flesh. The Bible says, let me read it to you. The Bible says in Galatians chapter five and verse 17, it says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are at conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. There's this conflict inside of us. It's a representation, the Old Testament where Jacob and Esau, they, they, they were in her womb and they were gonna be at conflict. There's this conflict now in us of the flesh and the spirit. The spirit wants to win out. We wanna do what God has called us to do. We wanna do the right things we want to say the right things we want to act the right way but then the flesh the human nature carnality there's these desires or these cravings to, or these responses that we have and there's this constant battle that is going on inside of us and here's what I know this is a representation this scripture right here is representation okay let me let me explain it to you let me just go with you go with me for a second Amalek was the grandson he was a representation of the flesh check this out before they fight this battle they get freed from Egypt Egypt in the Old Testament was a picture, a, a biblical picture of the world. 
They step outside of the world. It's almost a representation of salvation. They step outside and they say, we're gonna flee from the world and we're gonna find salvation. So they're allowing God to lead them and they're free from the world. Check this out. Then they go through the Red Sea. It's a representation of being water baptized. They go through the Red Sea. Now they're water baptized. Now they're walking their newness of life. Their old life is gone. The Pharaoh and all the Egyptians drowned in the water. There's a new life happening. Then they're fed manna. Manna is a representation of the word of God, the bread of life. And so here's what's crazy. Okay, so they receive salvation. They're free from the world. They receive salvation. They're in the word. And then the Bible says that God uh, strikes a rock and gives them water. Water oftentimes represents the Holy Spirit and the watering of the Holy Spirit and refreshing of the Holy Spirit. So here's what's cool. Not only are they saved, not only are they water baptized, they have the word and they have the Holy Spirit, but yet still there's a battle. And the first battle, is the flesh. Isn't it interesting? This is what happens. We're saved. We're water baptized. We're reading the word. We're, we have the Holy Spirit now in us and dwelling in us and upon us. And yet still, there's this flesh, this carnality, this human nature that is just at, at, at work in, in trying to fight us and attack us. Well, here's what happens. Oftentimes, we're blaming someone else or we're saying, oh, we're going to try to pray against the enemy and oh, flee from me when God is just wanting us to know. No, that's the flesh. We have to die to the flesh. Let the flesh be crucified. Why? Because when you understand who you're fighting, you'll be able to win. We are under his banner. He's already won. So we have to know, okay, God has given me strength to overcome the flesh in my life. This battle that is within me, in my mind, in my heart, in my, whether it's responding in anger, whether it's something to do with your uh, marriage or whether it's something to do uh, with lust, whatever it may be, here's what it is. We understand this thought process of knowing this. The flesh is at war, but I know with God being under his banner, I have victory over the flesh. It's interesting that right before this, these Israelites are complaining that they were thirsty. And literally in, in chapter 17, just right a few scriptures before, they're complaining about being thirsty and God gives them water. Here's what's interesting. They were complaining about water when they should have been preparing for war. Oftentimes what we do as Christians, oh my goodness, this is so relevant for today. Oftentimes what we do is we complain so much about our surroundings that we miss that God is wanting us to prepare for war in our own selves and the things going on around us. And here's what it is. It's not, I don't need to complain about what's happening over there in a different city. I don't need to complain about what hap what's happening politically. I don't need to complain. That's not my purpose. My purpose is not to complain about those. My purpose is to say, okay, God, I want to fight the war inside of me. And I want to win that war because I understand I'm under your banner. Why? Because God, I know I represent you first and foremost before anything else. We represent Christ in everything that we do. He's, we are under his banner, but then there's still battles that we face. And so I wanna encourage you to know you can win against the, the war in yourself. You can, it's, it's so important. And I wanna show you how you do that. God gave us a blueprint. My next thought, we have a blueprint. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 11. It says, as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. Whenever he dropped his hand, the Amicalites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overcame the army of Amalek with the sword. 
He overcame the war of the flesh with the sword. Here's what I know very quickly. I, sh- I see three quick things that we are to do. To, that, uh, the blueprint that God gives us how to overcome the flesh, how to win the war. We, we are under his banner. We know that. And we know we represent him. We know there's battles that we face. So how do we win those battles? Very quickly, it says in verse 11, it says, as long as Moses held up the staff, he was holding up the staff for the purpose of this. Two reasons. He wanted those that around him to see that who they were. We're the Israelites. This is who we are. But also what he wanted to do, and this is a sign of, of, of really, he was going to God and interceding. He had his hands lifted. In a biblical time, and even now, when we lift our hands, it's a sign of praying to God. It's crying out to God. It's a, it's a, it's a symbolic thing that we, that we do and saying, God, we need you. And so what he's doing is the first thing that we have to do, if we want to defeat the enemy in our lives of the battle with going on within. Here's what it is. It's this thought process of understanding, okay, God, you're our banner. And so we're looking to you. And so because we're looking to you, here's what it is. I'm going to pray. As simple as it is, I'm telling you, hear me today. As simple as prayer is, it's one of the most powerful things we can do to fight the flesh in our lives. There are more wars, hear me. There are more wars and battles, one on our knees than we could ever fight when we're together, when we're with each other, when we're, we're standing up, when we're praying, whatever. It, it, there's more wars that are won when we're praying and seeking God. And then when it starts with that, and we say, God, we need you in this area. Help us, encourage, strengthen us. And this is what Moses does. And here's what's cool. He's, he's holding it up and he gets tired He physically gets tired. It's a picture of this, that oftentimes that this battle within, that we're praying, we're seeking God, the spiritual warfare in our lives can, can wear us down. So we have to pray, we have to seek God, but then also he gets Aaron and her. Aaron and her, they get on, they get on each side of him and they hold their, his arms up. How do, we, how do we win? How do we fight? How, here's what we do. We first, we pray. We seek God. We ask God for help. But then two, we need to have the right people around us. Prayer and people. Prayer and people. And you know, we talk a lot about community here and we talk a lot about small groups and we talk a lot about different things that, uh, about having people around you. And sometimes we can over-spiritualize it. And here's what I know that you may be a person where you say, well, I don't need somebody to, to, to really go deep into my life. I got people like that that I know that I trust. I don't need new people to do that. Or I, I'm kind of nervous to join a small group because I'm at to open up about everything that's ever happened to me. And here's what it is. It may not be any of those, but here's what we do, know. We do need. We do need godly community around us. We do need godly friends. We don't just need friends. We need godly friends. Because here's what some friends would do. When Aaron and Aaron and when Moses' arms are up, some friends would be like, yeah, man, I'm tired. Let's take a nap too, bro. Let's do it. Let's just nap. Let's just chill, bro. We're good, dude. Let's just, let's just let's forget it. We need godly friends that can encourage us. And again, it doesn't have to always be super serious and super spiritual. We, I just, you know, something as silly as just watching a football game together or, or going uh, fishing together or, or going ladies and doing your nails together. There could be simple things that just allow us to get around one another. And y'all ever realize like you get around somebody godly and you don't even have to talk super, super deep. And all of a sudden you leave and you're like, oh, I feel so much better. Wow. Why? I don't know. They must pray a lot. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. It's that we're meant to have godly community around us. 
I want to challenge every person in this room. This may be your very first time. Cool. Sounds great. I love it. It may be your 500th time. Cool. I love it. But every single one of us, I encourage you, I challenge you to look at the circle around you. Do I have godly people around me that I know that one, I can count on, but then two, I can just hang with, and I'm not going down the wrong road mentally by just hanging with them. Y'all know how it is. You can get around the wrong people, even though they're your homies, and you can start thinking weird thoughts. You can start hearing the gossip about so-and-so's husband or so-and-so's wife, and, and next thing you know, you're like, yeah, they're terrible. Like, and you can get all worked up, and you can leave somebody, and you're worse off than when you came. No, just me? Okay, cool. So I want to encourage you. I know, again, it's super, it's super simplistic, but praying. We really want to understand that we are under his banner. We represent him. We fight with, he fights with us and for us, yes. But then there's our part that we have to do. We have to pray. We have to seek him. We have to ask. The Bible says if we ask, that he'll answer. If we knock, he'll open. If we seek, we'll find. So there's this constant seeking and asking God, help us, encourage us, strengthen us. But then I got to have people around me that are encouraging me. I want to be known, hear me, I want to be known in this city, in this country, in this world as not the coolest church. I know that I'm not cool, praise God. I don't need, I don't need or want to be the coolest church. I don't want to be the hippest church. Here's what I want to be. I don't want to be the coolest church. I want to be the most connected church. I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing. No matter who I meet with, no matter what age, if I meet with people for long enough, they get down to the nitty gritty. They all say the same thing, and that's this. I'm just looking for friends. I'm just looking for godly friends. Everybody's looking for it. Why? Because we're living in a culture and a society that is so connected but yet disconnected. We're so caught up in looking instead of connecting. And so now we have this facade of being connected because we have all these friends and we have all these likes and we have all these, these pictures and all these. And we feel so connected but yet when we get down to the nitty gritty, we're alone and we don't know why. It's because we've not allowed ourselves to take the responsibility of ourselves and say, I need to force myself to have God community around me. I don't need to be the coolest church. I want to be the most connected church. I know this, a connected church will grow. Why? Because people are not connected. They are looking for connection. So I want every person in this room watching online, I want you to take the responsibility and say, I'm not going to wait for someone else to connect with me. I'm going to connect. I love Aaron and her. Oh my goodness, I'm going to get excited for a second. I love Aaron and her. I love Aaron and her. Oh my goodness, I love Aaron and her. They didn't wait for Moses to be like, help me. I'm tired. I need help. And y'all, y'all, ah, y'all know how it is. They didn't wait. Here's what they did. I see a need. I got oh, get the stone. Find a stone. Grab. They're probably freaking out. Grab the stone. You know they're like me. They're a little ADD. They're just grabbing anything they can grab and throwing it. And then they then they grab the stone. And he sits on. He's like, that's not enough. We got to do more. Okay, hold his hands up. Hold his hand. They hold his hands. They didn't wait for someone, for Moses to say, hey, come connect with me. Hey, would you come hang out with me? Hey, would you go to coffee with me? Hey, would you go to dinner with me? Hey, would you connect? No, here's what they did. They said, I know the importance of godly people around me. I'm going to fulfill the need that I see in my life. Here's what I know. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Oh, my goodness, I want to encourage you. Let us be a people that take responsibility and say, I'm going to make the connections I need to make. Why? Because I understand that godly community around me is so vital. And it doesn't have to be super serious. You don't want to open up about your life? Totally cool. Just get some bros around you and just, just hang out and say, what's up, dude? Sup, sup, sup. We're good, good, good. That's good. We can over-spiritualize things, hear me, hear me. We can over-spiritualize things to the point of where it keeps us from connecting. 
I don't know about you, but I don't open up about everything by somebody I haven't met. Somebody come talk to me because I'm a pastor. I've never met them before, and they start telling me their whole life. They're like, what about you? I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> that's not me. That, that could be you. It's not me. If it is you, I love you, but that's not me. I'm not going to do that. I'll do that with my wife and very close friends, but that's it. And, that, and even with them, I'm struggling. You know what I'm saying? That's not, I just don't do that. That's not who I am. So here's what happens. We can over-spiritualize. Like, oh, if I get in that group, like, oh, I'm going to have to talk about all my dark, dark secrets in my past. I'm going to bring all that stuff back. No, you don't. It's all good. I don't care about your past. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on your future. I'm not worried about what you did in the past. I know God's got a potential, and he wants to grow you and challenge you and strengthen you for who he's called you to be in the future. Is this all right? Too much. He's our banner. Praise God. He gave us a blueprint. We have to pray. We have to have people around us. And then I love how the scripture, the scripture is so specific. It says that Joshua overwhelms or overcame the Amicalites with the, by the sword. It doesn't just say he won. It says he won by the sword. The sword in the scripture is represented, many of you know, in, the, in Ephesians, the Bible says that he's talking about the armor of God. And the sword is the word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews that the word of God is like a two-edged sword. What does this show us? It shows us this. It's practical application. It's very, it's very simple. If we really wanted to win the, the battles in our mind, in our hearts, in our lives, and against the flesh, here's what it is. I pray. I got people around me. And I practically apply the word in my life. It's not enough for us to know the word. The Bible says don't just be hearers of the word but be doers of the word. Practically apply the word in your life. I want to practically, every day, I want to practically apply. When I read the scripture for myself, I'm always reading it to try to find a practical way that I can apply it today. I want to, just today, I'm just focused on today. How can I practically apply the word today? Because here's what I know. If I'm practically applying it today, then I'm stepping closer to who he's called me to be. Then tomorrow I'm practically applying it today. I'm practically continuing to apply the word. And here's what happens over time. I'm going to look back and I've completely changed who I was because of who God's called me to be based on me just practically applying the word in my life. Prayer, people, and the word. I challenge you to understand he's our banner. Oh my goodness, I love it because not only does he, not only does he our banner as far as we, we know that he's with us, but now we understand that not only are we with us, but we carry his name with us. We're protected by him because we carry his name. We're blessed by him because we carry his name. We're strengthened by him because we carry his name. But then not only that, we represent him in everything that we do. And so we understand we're carrying this banner into the places and in, in our cities and our communities and our neighborhoods. And we're carrying the name of Jesus into those places. People that may never go to church, may never see Jesus. They can now see Jesus in us because we're his banner and we're his sons and his daughters. And then I understand that there's battles that I face just because I carry it under his banner doesn't mean I don't face battles. I face battles, but how do I win those battles? I pray. I have people around me and I continue to practically apply the word in my life. Let us be a church. So I close today. Let us be a church that lives understanding the concept that he is our banner. The Lord is not just provider. Provider's awesome. He's not just shepherd. Shepherd's awesome. But he's also our banner. He is our victory. He is the one that we know that as we fight, here's what I love. As we do our part, God comes in, steps in, and does his part. And here's what's cool. When he steps in and does his part, 
There's nothing no man could ever defeat and nothing no man can come against. When he opens the door, no man can close it. When he closes the door, no man or no woman can close it. He is our God, our banner. And so we understand that when we represent him and we're under his banner, now we're his sons, we're his daughters, but not just that. Now we understand this. We have victory in every area of our lives because of who he is and what he's called us to do and live in our lives. I encourage you, let us be a people that live a way that says, Lord, you're our banner. Amen. Can we pray today, Father?